This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, May 1st, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. It's commonly believed that oil plays a uniquely important role in geopolitics and American national security, but that understanding could be fatally flawed. Eugene Goles is an associate professor at the LBJ School of Public Affairs at UT Austin. His recent work focuses on how the fracking revolution is changing global security. His conclusion, not much. Many, many people intuitively believe there's a strong link between oil and gas and national security. So this is in the public consciousness. You know, people worry, they protest about no blood for oil, but they don't protest about no blood for other products, you know, coffee, bananas, shoes, whatever you like. Um, And uh, that permeates the elite, foreign policy elite consciousness too, that people believe that there's a special effect of oil in international politics that it leads to um, diplomatic choices that countries make. And so as the shale revolution has changed the pattern of oil and gas production around the world and oil and gas trade around the world, we were wondering whether that would change national security and diplomacy, uh, particularly for the United States since we've been the center of the shale revolution. All right. So what did you find? We found that uh, people exaggerate the importance of oil and gas in international relations and diplomacy and national security. So um, uh, it turns out that countries make their choices about who their friends are and what they want to do based on other factors, conceptions of the national interest, uh, uh, security threats, human rights concerns, a whole host of things seem to swamp the effect of oil trade or oil revenues on decisions that affect international affairs. Okay. You said uh, in your in your comments that effectively the market protects us from geopolitical shocks, particularly in oil, because it's something that can sit around for one thing and mm-hmm. uh, it's a global marketplace where there is for you know on the margins a, a global price for it right so um, that's absolutely true that one of the main messages about the links between oil and national security which was actually not the focus of the talk today but is something I've written about uh, including uh, for Cato in the past uh, is that there really is, quite a bit of flexibility in the oil market. There's one global price. It doesn't matter who you, from an economic perspective, it doesn't matter who you sell to or buy from. Uh, Everyone pays roughly the same price. And so um, there's this global bathtub of all the oil sloshing around. And uh, when we put in a drain to take out a little bit to to our country, um, uh, we're just, we're just, sharing all the oil of the world through the market. So if, if there's a crisis in one area that disrupts production, some of the filling of the bathtub from one supplier uh, gets pulled away. Another supplier can open up their tap a little bit further and keep kind of the same flows through the global market. So we're not it, the, the fact that there's a global market means we don't have to be concerned as much with the particulars of what country is producing. Now, uh, you spoke specifically about various, I suppose, foreign policy elite predictions about countries in Africa. And because of the uh, shale revolution in the United States, um, this has changed our relationship with those countries with respect to importing oil. So what did you find uh, with regard to those predictions? Right. People who believe that oil is especially important in international politics uh, 
um, worried that as the shale revolution happened in the United States, and the United States, as we increased production, imported less, and imported less especially from Africa, that our diplomatic relationships and national security ties to African countries might fray. Um, and it's not just African countries, but it happens that African countries are a particular focus of this because their trade patterns have shifted more than most other producers around the world. It just has to do with the characteristics of the oil they produce. Um, and what's happened is they are trading less with the United States and more with, um, uh, in particular, people are worried with China, with East Asia as a growing consumer. And so the thought was that um, reduced U.S. relations might be substituted by increased Chinese relations. And we have our doubts about whether countries having closer relations to China is consistent with the kind of liberal international order that Americans tend to like. And so this is why people were afraid of the shale revolution having a side effect. But it turns out that um, uh, these countries in Africa, even as the U.S. trades less with them, are not wholesale shifting, falling under the influence of, of China. There's, they still continue to have quite robust diplomatic relationships and, and security relationships with the United States. And we're not seeing a substitution of such relationships with China. What are some other, I guess, geopolitical impacts of the shale revolution? You had mentioned that countries that otherwise or are now importing a lot of oil might not be doing quite so much in the future. Sure. So, it, you know, so far, the shale revolution has largely been a U.S. phenomenon. Like We are producing much more. Um, it's been applied in a few other countries uh, to some limited extent, and, and there's um, uh, uh, pilot drilling in a few countries now. If the shale revolution spreads, uh, you may see new countries that are not currently major producers starting to produce quite a bit of oil and gas, and that could further change the geography of production in the world. One specific country, again, that people are interested in from an international relations perspective is China. Is China currently, like the United States, is a big consumer of oil, and it's a country that has the geology for shale resources. Now, their geology is a little different from the United States. There are questions about how fast or whether China can get the shale revolution. But if they do, China producing quite a bit more oil, people would wonder how that would affect international politics. So, so um, uh, if China is a very aggressive country and they have more oil, we'll have less levers against them. They'll have more money that they could use against us. So if you think China is a very scary place, you might want them not to get the shale revolution. On the other hand, if you think we can live with China um, or that China is not such a scary place, maybe China occasionally does things in international relations that are not favorable to the United States precisely because they are afraid that the U.S. Navy dominates the seas and China imports so much oil across the seas that they're actually afraid of us squeezing them. And to the extent that they can uh, produce more oil or gas from within China through the shale revolution spread to China, they may calm down a little bit with respect to the United States. It may actually kind of salve some of the frictions of U.S.-China relations if we could kind of take some of the competition over oil off the table because China is producing more of their own. So, you know, fundamentally, the shale revolution doesn't determine whether the U.S. and China might come into conflict. What matters is what kind of country China is, and we should do our best to analyze, you know, is China really a rapacious, power-hungry state that's just out to get the United States? Or is China more like most countries of the world? They want to be rich, they want to get along, and uh, we should be looking to try to avoid friction with China, in which case the 
shale revolution is just an enabler of reducing friction. Now, there is this idea of the uh, oil wealth curse that, mm -hmm. uh, that many countries seem to have fallen uh, victim to uh, in Saudi Arabia, Venezuela. The institutions there are pretty weak. Right. And how would or how does this decline in overall production and revenues, how does this affect countries' uh, stability yeah. uh, from their neighbors, from uh, other uh, sources of conflict? So that's the, the other major issue that we looked at in the study had to do with what we called the reduced revenues hypothesis, that, that if unconventional oil, the shale revolution, attracts a lot of investment and equipment in the, the oil industry to new producers like the United States, it comes at the expense of someone else who otherwise would have enjoyed that investment. Now, I'm not sure Venezuela was really the one who was pivotal because their institutions are so lousy. They were not enjoying that investment anyway. Sure. But other countries around the world that might have had relatively higher oil revenues are now facing lower oil revenues. And the question was, is that a threat to their stability? Partly because of the resource curse, that many of these countries that uh, are living off of oil revenues today and are hoping for increased oil revenues have weak institutions such that if you maybe pulled the rug out from under them and they had less money, uh, they might come unglued. They might face instability. And so we studied that and we actually found it was not likely to happen um, uh, uh, that even for quite large reductions in, in revenue for, for some of these countries and countries that had weak institutions, um, uh, you know, countries like uh, uh, Nigeria or Angola, which we don't think of as, as paragons of good governance, even if they're not the very worst in the world, um, they actually dealt with shocks to their uh, uh, oil income in ways that, that prevented them from falling into instability or desperate human rights, humanitarian disasters that uh, would really harm U.S. national interests. Eugene Goles is an associate professor of public affairs at the LBJ School of Public Affairs at UT Austin. You can watch the full event dealing with national security and the fracking revolution at our website, cato.org.